0: Let me encourage you now to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 1. Uh, if you were with us last time, I kind of introduced the book of John and we're gonna be swimming around in John's gospel from now through Easter. So I'm gonna read verse, uh, verses five through 18 of John chapter one. And so I wanna encourage you to find that. And uh, let me encourage you to stand where you are in honor of God's word. And let's remind ourselves uh, that this is the word of God to us. So the spirit of God years and years and years ago inspired John, Jesus's best friend, to write a book about his friend. And that we looked at the first four verses Last week. Now let's pick it up in verse 5 and read down through verse 18. Here we go. John 1, verse 5. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God." The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the only, one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and as it is at, at his father's right side, he has revealed him. Father, just as you revealed Jesus 2,000 years ago on the earth, may your spirit again reveal him to our hearts. And may we be sent by you, as was John the Baptist, to point others as you reveal your son Jesus to them. And again, it's in the strong name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I love it when I am amazed in an unexpected way. Many of you have asked me uh, over the past weeks what my favorite part about going to Disney World with my family was. Most of you know our family went to Disney World for Christmas this year and you've been very inquisitive. What was your favorite part? You were expecting me to talk about Disney World and for certain I enjoyed time with my family while we were at Disney World. But if I'm being honest, something unexpected happened. My favorite part of our trip was going to Bucky's. Yes, Bucky's. There was a Bucky's on the way to Disney World in Orlando, and there was a Bucky's on the way home from Disney World. And yes, we stopped both times. Now, if you're unaware of the glory that is Bucky's, let me very quickly give you an overview. Bucky's is a gas station. But it's not just any gas station. If you see a Bucky's on the side of the interstate, please stop and go in. You can thank me later. They have hundreds, literally over a hundred gas tanks beckoning your car for gas to be put in it. That's usually cheaper than most places. And while your car is being filled with Bucky's gas, you walk into this glorious gas station, which is huge, and you go and you find a restroom. And the restrooms are remarkably clean, cleaner than your own home. You would feel comfortable eating off the floor at a Bucky's bathroom, remarkably clean. When you walk out of the bathroom, your smell is overcome by barbecue brisket. Yes, at a gas station, remarkable barbecue brisket, because in the middle of this wonderful glory spot called Bucky's is a kitchen, if you will, where men and women are just chunking out the Bucky sandwiches, the brisket Bucky sandwiches, sliced or shredded, as many as you want. Of course, you have to pay for them. If you go at breakfast time, it's a brisket and egg burrito, and I'm here to tell you they're delicious. When you turn around after filling your bag full of, filling your buggy full of brisket sandwiches, you'll see that there's this huge bar that has dozens of selections And it's not a bar of alcohol with alcohol selections. It's a bar full of beef jerky selections. Bucky's has a beef jerky bar. And so you can go and you can decide what flavor you want on and on and on. It was a remarkable experience. You were expecting me to say something about Disney World. I wanted to pause and say, "Uh uh-uh, let me tell you about this gas station called Bucky's. It's incredible when you experience something unexpected and you want to share with someone so they can have that same experience. We have it all the time. Why do I start this way? Because John is letting us know, John the gospel author is letting us know that God himself created another John, sent him to earth to wave the banner saying, wait, 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 you think God is this way, but let me tell you how God is, how God really is. And John the Baptist was sent by God ahead of Jesus to make sure we didn't miss it. Now, I find it very interesting that five verses in to a book about his best friend, John starts talking about darkness. Just five verses in, as he is inspired of the Spirit to speak of his best friend, he brings up the darkness If you were here last time, you'll remember he starts by saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning and all things were created by this word whom we know now is Jesus and in this Jesus is life and that life was the light of men." That's verses one through four of John's gospel as he begins to tell us about his friend. And then he says, and that light has come into the darkness and the darkness, hasn't overcome it, haven't, hasn't understood it. Darkness, pitch blackness, wickedness, sin, evil, rebellion, five verses in. It makes sense if you think about it because John has wanted us to go all the way back to the beginning, hasn't he? That's how he starts his gospel. In the beginning was the word. Well, you know, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God. Well, if you read from the beginning, it's not long until after God makes the pinnacle of his creation, which is mankind, mankind blows it. Mankind is eat up with rebellion, wanting to do things his or her own way. And before you know it, after the beginning, there's a lot of darkness, rebellion, sin, wickedness. And that's all we read about throughout the Bible. If you read the Bible, you see that there's a lot of men and women, even our biblical heroes, that, yes, were used of God to do some remarkable things, but all of them have flaws, major flaws. And so right at the beginning of John's gospel, he introduces us to the word. And then he says that the word has come in to the darkness. You and I know it's true. The world is messed up. You can read about it in the Bible and see it for yourself. If you don't believe the Bible is true, then let me encourage you to watch the news for a couple of hours. The world is messed up. If you don't believe the news is true, let me encourage you to have a baby because that little bundle of joy is also a little glorious bundle of rebellion. You don't have to teach your children how to do wrong. They're already good at that. And if you don't believe having a child will convince you, evaluate your own heart. How are you doing at your 2022 resolutions? One of the things you and I need to understand as we read John's gospel is that every time he uses the word world, it is not in a positive light. Nine times out of 10, probably more than that, when John says world, it's in a negative connotation. When he uses the word world, he means that mankind is in rebellion against its maker. Mankind is committing evil against its maker. And that's very important if we're going to understand the gist of this chapter and really the entire book of John. Let me give you an example of this. Look in verse 9 of John 1. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So remember, world there means... Mankind in rebellion against God. Keep reading, verse ten. He, this Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not—excuse uh, di- me—did not recognize him. So over and over and over again, you can see this for yourself. We'll probably come to it as we go through the through John's gospel. The word "world" is a negative thing, and so when 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 John starts his gospel, he's he's letting he's trying to remind us that this world we live in is in a mess. Now, I'm guessing I don't have to convince you that the world is messed up. I'm guessing you were already convinced before you woke up this morning that the world was in a pretty bad mess. I even saw this week, in case you need an example, I even saw this week two lawmakers who get paid a lot of money arguing with one another on the screen as to what kind of mask to wear. They weren't arguing as to whether or not to wear a mask. They were arguing over what kind. You've got to look at certain numbers to make sure it's the right kind of mask. And my head exploded. Our world is messed up. I don't need to, I don't need to convince you of that. However, there is a question we need to ask that is uber important for us in this regard, and that is this. What does God think of this world? How does God view this world that is in constant rebellion against him? Is God ready to smite it? Is God ready to judge it? Is God angry with the world, furious with the world? It reminds me at the end of Luke chapter nine, when Jesus and some of the disciples approached some people that didn't like Jesus and were different from the disciples. And the disciples say, can we call down fire from heaven and just take them out? I wonder if we view God that way, that he's just ready to take out the world that's in rebellion against him, this dark world. Can, we just, can you just send down fire from heaven and take everybody out? Well, Jesus rebukes the disciples and says, that's not why I came. How, what you think about God and how God views this world that's in rebellion against him revolutionizes how you live and how you envision God to be. And we better get this right. John helps us here. I'm gonna read some of these verses that we just read a second ago again, and I want you to see it with me. And I want you to ask this question, how does God view the world that's in rebellion against him? How would you answer that question? How do you think God is acting or thinking or processing as he sees this rebellious world? Pick it up with me in verse 6 of John 1 again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So John the gospel writer is writing now about John the baptizer. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, this John the Baptist, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. This word, we know he's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and as his Father's right hand. He has revealed him. Now, I know I know that's a mouthful. I know that's a lot. And we could keep reading because John keeps going back and forth between telling us about Jesus and telling us about John the Baptist. But I want us to understand something here. John is saying God created someone, John the Baptist, in order to get people ready for Jesus, because we all have this thought that God's one way, and God sent John the Baptist to earth to say, whoa, 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 don't miss this, don't miss it, don't misunderstand what God is like, this is what God is like, it's in the person of Jesus. When God thinks of this world that he created that's in rebellion against him, what comes out of him is love. What comes out of him is doing something to rescue it. God's default is not to judge the earth, to smite it and burn it with fire. God wants to rescue us. God has sent Jesus to love us. And John the Baptist came, he came to be this unmistakable prophet who looked funny, who ate funny, who dressed funny, who preached funny, so nobody would miss him. And so perhaps they could hear him say, this is him. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading in John 1 in verses 26 and in verse 29, John says, behold, Stop, look, there he is as Jesus was approaching, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Stop and look, don't miss this. You may think God is one way. Let me tell you what God is really like. He's come in the person of his son and he is the sacrifice for sins. He's the one that's coming to be punished in our place for our sins. God loves the world and wants to rescue the world. D.A. Carson, who's a scholar, who's written a lot about the gospel of John, he said this about God's love in regard to these verses. God's love is to be admired, not because the world is so big, but because the world is so bad. Yes, God's love is to be so compelling, not because the world is so big, and it is. But what makes this so fascinating is that John reminds us how bad the world is, and yet God loves it anyway. Church, you know John 3.16. The scandal of John 3.16 is for God so loved this world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the scandal of John three sixteen. God loves this world, the one that's in rebellion against him. And so John, the gospel writer, writes chapter one to say, hey, There's another John, John the baptizer, who was brought to earth for the sole purpose of making sure that we don't miss God's means of salvation. It's a a notification. Hey, 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 look, don't miss this. We get notifications and and people are sent to us or things are sent to us to make sure we don't miss it. There are some people now when they get married, before they send you a wedding invitation, they will send you a card in the mail saying save the date. Notification after notification because something's big, big is coming. If you watch NBC for more than three minutes today, you will find out that the Olympics are fast approaching and going to begin on NBC February 3rd. Their notification saying, don't miss this. And John the Baptist was sent to say, you don't want to miss this because you may think it's up to you or you may think God's mad at you, but he's not. God loves you, and get this, Wes Franklin, hear this. Many of you have heard this most of your life, but I want you to process how God really believes, how God does really love the world, and be careful in how you think about the world and how you think God thinks about the world. But get this. Once you believe, once you trust, God doesn't say, okay, now get on with your life and, and, and figure it out yourself. Did you notice in those final few verses that we read that John tells us that Jesus said he is full of grace and truth and from the fullness of Jesus, we've received grace upon grace. This is who he is. This is how he acts. Not just when you believe the first time, but today it is his default mode towards you. It is his demeanor. It is his posture towards you that he treats you with grace. So what's our job? (laughs) What is our job? I believe our job is twofold. Believe this and point. Believe this and point. You need to be reminded this morning that God loves rebellious people. And God is gracious towards rebellious people. And you need to allow your heart to believe that again. And now, once we soak in that, and we need—we never get over it, but as we soak in it, I should say, we point. We do what John the Baptist did. Church, the world doesn't need to hear how bad it is. They know that. Yes, we need to help people understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior. I get that. But the world doesn't need us to rail against how bad it is if if anybody was paying attention to anything at the end of 2021 the beginning of 2022 the messages that we are flawed are everywhere i heard one person sum up the beginning of the new year this way he said society says do you have a body sculpt it do you need to lose do, do you have weight lose it screen time reduce it addictions kick it. Books, read them. Work goals, achieve them. Grief, get over it. Emotions, control them. Relationships, fix them. And you have 12 months to do it. All of us know we're flawed. The world doesn't need to hear how bad it is. The world needs to know that God loves it, that God loves them. Just like John the Baptist said, wait, 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 wait. You may think I'm going to talk about Disney World, but let me tell you about Bucky's. John the Baptist says, wait, wait, wait. You may think God is this way, but let me tell you what he's really like and look no further than his son, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, grace upon grace upon grace. Our job now is to believe it and let the world know that God loves them in Jesus. Why are we praying for unreached, unengaged people groups? Because they don't know. They have a misunderstanding about God and we get to say, no, let me tell you about who he really is. Why are we having a focus study called Undivided? Because the world has a misunderstanding of how to have conversations about race and the Bible speaks to it and God's love of races. Why are we having a going night? Because people in Franklin and North America and the world don't have a right understanding about god's love for them they know they're flawed but they have a wrong understanding and we get to say no no no." here's what god is like and he's loved us in the person of jesus christ that's our job garrison keeler of npr fame is a writer writes about family life in the midwest wrote recently about a family prayer time where there was an uncle, John, who was called on to pray before the meal. And I don't know if you have one of these that's your family, but there are some people that you do not want them to pray before the meal because it means that your food is going to be cold by the time you get to the meal. Well, John was known, not necessarily for the length of his prayer, but Uncle John was always going to mention Jesus and was always going to be a little unsettled by the cross. And as Garrison Keillor talks about this, he says as he got older, he understood. He and the kids, other kids would used to roll their eyes and say, oh, goodness, Uncle John. But it hit him later why Uncle John always did that because he never, ever got over it. All the other family members knew it, but Uncle John never got over it. John, the gospel writer, wrote a gospel to tell us about this light that has come into the darkness named Jesus. God sent a forerunner to make sure we don't miss it, John, the Baptist, to say it's him, Jesus. And there was an Uncle John who never, ever got over Jesus and his cross. Our job is to believe, and our job is to point. Let's be about that, Wes Franklin. Not have a wrong understanding of God, but a right one who sent Jesus to rescue us and the world. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the magnificent of it. Thank you that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Thank you that he came to dwell in this world with us. May we have a right understanding, Father, of how you view your world. May we believe it, live, and point others to that reality. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Wes Franklin. Hopefully, we will get to see each other again real soon. Stay warm.